Welcome to Catholic Radio for Katie Anna's presentation of Cajun Catholics. Here's your host, Todd Citron. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful, and enkindle in us the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, and we shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. Let us pray, O God, who by the light of thy Holy Spirit, you did instruct the hearts of your faithful. Grant that by that same Holy Spirit we may be truly wise and ever rejoice in his consolation. Through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. 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 Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. You're listening to Cajun Catholics. I'm your host, Todd Citron. Excited to have uh, Father John Joseph Bork. He is a priest at the Community of Jesus Crucified. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Thank you for having Thank you me. for being here, Father. So today our uh, co-host will be Mr. Calvin James. Calvin James. Welcome to the show, Calvin. Pull Thank that you, mic Calvin. towards you, man. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Right. right here. All right. right. In my <laughs> okay, Father, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so I, um, I'm 28 years old. I'm, I grew up in Lafayette, Louisiana. My family's from, from Kaplan. Kaplan. Yeah, and uh, I graduated from St. Thomas More in 2011. Right after that, I went to the seminary, St. Ben's in, in Covington. After uh, three years, I, I graduated, and then I went to, I joined the community of Jesus Crucified as a brother, spent uh, a couple years in formation through the community, took my vows, returned to seminary, and then was ordained to the priesthood last year, June 6th, 2020. Nice. Uh, so you are not the first Bork on the show. Uh, your sister, Abby, was one of the first guests on the show, and yeah. I know your father very well and, <laughs> and a wonderful family and just so blessed that uh, that, that you guys uh, uh, represent Lafayette and Acadiana so well, and I know they're so proud of you. We've had many conversations about you. Well, I appreciate uh, that. But, um, so to, to give us a little bit of what led you to, to there uh, into, into the religious life. Yeah, so um, I would say about halfway through my senior year, I started recognizing that I didn't really have a prayer life. And I think, uh, you know, I always thought I did, but... I would tell people I pray all the time, but that really meant that I didn't pray at all. You know that I wouldn't I wouldn't actually spend time on my knees praying, and so I started uh, praying the Rosary and praying a novena to Saint Joseph. And Saint Joseph, when we're in the year of Saint Joseph right now, he really impacted me as a role model for me. I thought he was going to be a role model for me as a husband and a father, but I started to realize that he was he was asking me to be close and intimate with the Blessed Virgin and, and Jesus, his son, that he was inviting me into that same intimacy that he had with them. And once, once I, I perceived that, I realized that I had to give myself radically to God. I would say, I often tell people though, before anything really happened, I asked God, what do you want me to do with my life? And that was a that was a question that I never really asked him. It was always kind of, I was telling him what I wanted to do with my life. But at this point, I asked him, what do you want me to do with my life? And I didn't hear priest. I didn't hear religious. I didn't, that probably would have intimidated or scared <laughs> me at the time. But I knew what he was saying is, I want you to be a saint. And I had heard growing up the call that we're all called to be saints. 
but this was the first time that I felt like it was personal. Like he wanted me, he wanted a saint me. And that really changed my whole perspective on life that I realized that if I don't become a saint, my life is wasted. Mm-hmm. And, and, and St. Joseph really gave me the next step of how to accomplish that in my life. And that was what, what made me pursue a life of, of celibacy, really, because I, I didn't really understand the difference between religious priesthood and diocesan priesthood, but I knew that I was called to a life of celibacy. And then, and then in pursuing that, um, I, I, I started to, it started to come more and more into relief of, okay, I'm called to be a religious priest in this community. And it, it gave uh, more and more clarity to that. Nice. You know, um, you, I, I want to know when you decided, what age it was when you decided that made up your mind that that was you was going to pursue priesthood. So I, I was I was uh, 17. It was it was halfway through my senior year. I was it was probably about January 2011 when I when I made that decision. Campus ministry at the time. I was I was involved with uh, the the salt team. There I don't you know go. if you are with yes, uh, yes. Uh, yeah. and and do, I was on the salt team. I was putting on Kairos, um, and uh, I particularly remember by the March Kairos, I knew that I was going to be a priest. Well, you said uh, 2011. Yes, sir. You know Ephesians 4:11 tells us that Jesus he set up this ministry some to be priests, yep. apostles, mm-hmm. prophets, you know, evangelists, right. and teachers. So you are a part of the five-fold ministry right now. Mm-hmm. So I, I mentioned that verse because I, I, I thought maybe you might have read that and you kind of felt a nudge, mm. you know, and stuff in, in, in that scripture, you know, that's pretty powerful. Mm-hmm. No, it's a powerful scripture. I mean, I think for, for me, one of the most powerful scriptures for me was uh, actually uh, John chapter 19 whenever he gives the blessed mother to St. John. Oh, behold. Uh Uh-huh. Behold your mother and uh, behold, woman, behold your son. And I knew that I was invited to that in some mysterious way. Tell me a little bit about your parents now that you said that about beholding your mother. How's your mother and father? Yeah, so so, um, my parents so my parents are Definitely, one hundred percent of my biggest supporters in this. Now, to say that they always were, <laughs> <laughs> I think I think that was um, it was a it was a shocker for him when mm-hmm. I originally told him. It was definitely something that it's not that they didn't see it in me, but I think they certainly felt like, oh man, well, you know no grandkids from you uh, no you know uh, you're not going to continue on the name and um i'm the, i'm their only son as Whoa. he mentioned there was wow. we got we got other borks the the better borks but right. they're the, uh, but they're the um my two little sisters and <clears throat> so i think they were they were just they were just in shock and it took them a while before they because a lot was going on in my life at that time and so they weren't sure if what was happening to me was legit or not, or if it was just kind of out of a lot of emotions. But after several years of my investment in this vocation and it being purified, you know, just from things being taken away or whatever, 
that might have seemed like I was doing it for those reasons, they were able to see that this was something that was supernatural. It wasn't just something that was uh, I was just doing because I wanted to. I was doing something because I, w- I was legitimately called. And that, that created a big shift in their, their perspective, and then they are 100% on board. Okay, that's great. Yeah, they. Uh, so Calvin and I love that word supernatural. You know, yeah. that's our thing. And, yeah. um, and Calvin is the, the Holy Spirit <coughs> incarnate. I like to say. <laughs> uh, but um, so okay, so Father, uh, back a few years, y'all do. I know y'all been doing a Bible study in St. Martinville at at the community, and I was able to attend with Kevin Norman, our friend, is how we got you here. Uh, and uh, and and y'all gave this beautiful beautiful dissertation, if I want to call it. On, on the four different types of light. I want you to share that with yeah. us because it was something that really touched me. Yeah, absolutely. So so light is that by which we can see. So anything that we are able to see, but seeing is not just with our, you know, with the cones and the, the, the pupils and stuff in our eyes. Seeing can be something that's that's more interior as well. So, so we looked at the different kinds of light. The first light being corporeal light or visible light the light that we do see the light by which we're seeing right now uh, you know in this studio that we can see each other uh, our, our physically this sensibly that kind of light but there's another light that we call the light of reason which is not given to the animals for instance except for us we are rational animals and so we're able to see okay you know Two plus two equals four. Or the fact that we're even able to make sentences like right now. Just that we're speaking and that we're taking ideas and putting them together and it makes sense. Mm -hmm. And we say, oh, I see. I see. I understand. Uh, It's and. Oftentimes, when we get something, you know, the way we depict that is a little light bulb. Yeah. It's, it's a depiction, but it's something that's going on interior. And so that's what we call the rational light, that we can take two ideas, combine them, and it makes sense, you know. And there's a difference between nonsense, you know, and, mm-hmm. and r- actual sense. And so, so that's by the light of reason. But then there's a third light. And I, the way I like to describe it is, okay, so let's say, um, let's say, Mr. Todd, you, you were telling me how to get to Hub City Ford, okay? So you told you tell me, okay, you take, uh, I guess, is it Ponte Mouton exit? Yeah, and then you yeah. go down Frontage Road. That's it. Okay, and let's say I had never been there. I, I'd never seen uh, Hub City Ford, but I knew where I-49 was. And That's a heresy, and, by the way, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, and so you, so you started to describe it to me. Well, I have not, let's say, uh, I mean, in this, this hypothetical situation, <laughs> um, I had never seen Hub City Ford. So that would mean that I, do I know where Hub City Ford is? Well, I know, but I know because I trust in you because I trust you. And so that's what we would consider the light of faith. Now that's in a natural sense, but when God has revealed himself to us, God has told us about the beatific vision. He's told us about supernatural things. Then we have to take it not by sight, but by faith. And so it's not that it's, it's against our reason, but it's beyond our reason. Mm -hmm. It's something that 
our reason cannot grasp. And so it has to be revealed to us. And then we believe it because of the one who revealed it. So that would be the light of faith. And then the fourth light is the light of glory. That's when we pass from this life into eternal life or that or that we 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 the veil is torn between heaven and earth and then we see we arrive at hub city board (laughs) Um, we actually get there and we see it for ourselves we see the beatific vision we've trusted we've trusted the map to get there by the light of faith but it's the light of glory that helps that allows us to see god face to face Awesome. You know, we're talking about light, and Jesus spoke about that in the gospel where he said, okay, I'm going to get you to explain something to me. He said that, uh, you know, let your light shine that, you know, so all men can see. Don't put the lamp on the bush or sure. whatever like that. Why don't you explain to the audience a concept that Jesus was trying to get convey to us? Right. Well, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. So he identified himself as the light by which we see. Yes. And we know that in the beginning— God said, let there be light, and then there was light. And we know that Jesus was that word, that Jesus is the word made flesh. Mm -hmm. And so Jesus is that first instance of light coming into the world. So his his light is, is in a certain sense, pervades all four of these. His light is so refulgent that it goes from, it's from glory into faith, into yeah. into our reason our that's what saint john says at the beginning of his gospel he says this light was the life of men that that we were able to understand things and that he gives us the ability to see but then he invites us to be light to the world it's not just his but it's by his light that we shine forth as christians we bring this same light and that's what we call grace so you're telling me that uh, that light that you just explained wouldn't fall under the category of the previous four that you explained to us? So what I'm saying is God uh, is the light of Christ in a certain sense encompasses all four. Okay. He is he is light. Yes. He's the essence of light. And right. so any of those four participate in him. Yeah. So they they get their lightness from him. And then we too, as Christians who are called to be the light of the world, we too get our light from Him as well, Great. and we participate in Calvin, the same light. Father John got it going on. That's all yes, I have to say he about does. that. He He's does. the man. I'm captivated. <laughs> <laughs> I want to remind our listeners: you're listening to Cajun Catholics, and today's guest is Father John Joseph Bork. He is a priest at the Community of Jesus Crucified, a wonderful um, soldier for Christ, and uh, we're so happy to have him on the show today. And you're working with. Uh, with Father, with Father Mike Champagne. Yes, and sir. That must be pretty awesome. Oh yeah, oh yeah. We uh, he keeps me busy. <laughs> <laughs> I call Father Mike a little big man. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's, he, a, he's a big man in a little body. <laughs> he, um, yeah, he's he's. Yeah, I, I call him the Cajun Saint Paul. Uh, That's it. <laughs> Gratons and your gumbo. You got all that stuff yeah. mixed up in there. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you know the show is called Cajun Catholics, and uh, and you are definitely mentoring with the Cajun Catholic. <laughs> yes. And but uh, when you hear that term, uh, Father, what do you think of? You well, think of? you know, to me, this is is so important to me, and I think this is why one of the reasons why I was so attracted to the community. I mean, it's not it's not everything that. The community, the community of Jesus crucified is, but being a Cajun Catholic, uh, we live in a culture 
that is so pervasively Catholic. Mm -hmm. It's rich in the faith. And I, I know that, that my faith is so linked with my culture that, that it, we can't really, if we, if we start to lose our faith, we start to lose our culture mm -hmm. and vice versa. You know, we, we can even lose, begin to lose our, our, our culture if we lose our, I'm sorry, or we can lose our faith if we lose our culture. Mm -hmm. And so this is so deep within me. I mean, I love the Blessed Virgin because to me, that's, I, I was taught that by my, my Cajun mama, my, mm -hmm. my Cajun grandmas. You know, this was, this was something that was ingrained in me. And I, I see our Cajun culture as, as sacramental. And what I mean by that is that there, there's, the sacraments are signs that point us to God. And I see the different elements of our Cajun culture, our love for family, our love for, for community, our, our appreciation of joy, all of these different dimensions of our Cajun culture as being always pointing to our faith and pointing to our belief in God. And I think one of the things, the events for me that encapsulates that is the Fed Dieu de Teche. Mm -hmm. when, we, when we go down the bayou, bringing the Eucharist right, it's coming right up. And it's such a witness of how, of what it means to be Cajun Catholic. Yeah. yeah. You, you want to ask? Go ahead, Gal. You, you talked about love. Um, and I know you, you know, you get people, you talk to a lot of different people. Do people ever come talk to you about that concept of love sometimes? Whether it be, you know, like through marriage or whatever like that. Do, do you get those kind of uh, inquests? Oh, yeah, certainly. Um, when we're talking about love, I often like to say that we all love something. Uh, I mean, even if it's ourselves, you know, everyone in the world loves something. We can't help it. It's ingrained into us, in our nature. But the scriptures and God reveals to us who to love and how to love. Mm -hmm. And that, that's why he's light. Yeah. He's light and love. He shows, he reveals to us both, both who to love, how to love, and that we're made for love. Yeah. But certainly, um, I see it all the time. You know, that this is the deepest desire of our hearts. But we want to love, and we want to be loved. Um, but but we only if we recognize that that exists in Christ will we be truly fulfilled. It's amazing. I I, I was like, it was never in a trick, but. You just blew it out the water because mm -hmm. Paul talked about there's three different kind of loves, you know, mm -hmm. like the eros, the yeah. leo, and the uh, agape. Agape, and you just you you you, you nailed it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I want to tell the audience he nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's very profound stuff. I'm I'm like I uh, can't wait to listen back to this and take some notes because it was some good. There's some good stuff right yes, here. Sir. Um, but uh, t talk about you know just in your family in your immediate family wh where does that, do you, did, where did that faith come from in your family tree a little bit yeah so I mean I I have to admit like I'm extremely blessed I don't think there's a single person on either side of my family that's not Catholic wow wow um, yeah and and practicing um, so you know going very to mass, unique yeah I I mean. It's extraordinarily unique. I mean, I don't want to say 
we're not fallen sinners because sure. we certainly are. But I was blessed to. It was just, it, it was just who we are. Yeah. There was no question about it, and and uh, certainly my my grandparents. I mean, I, I just my, I know my both my grandfathers made Chrysia. And wow. that that was a big part of their <laughs> yeah. their lives and and their transformation. I know. Uh, I think both my grandmothers did too. And they they both made Curcio and and it was just never a question growing up that we were going to go to mass yeah. every Sunday, and that this was something that we had to do. But there was a certain point I think in my own life where I had to recognize, okay, if I be- really believe everything that we're doing, then then how does my life reflect that? And I had to ask myself that question. And that was kind of that turning point for me when I started to say, you know, God, what do you want me to do with my life? If I really believe that God is true and real and I go to Mass every Sunday, then then that should inform all of my life and not just a day of my life or a day of the week. Yeah. And that's when I recognize, okay, i got to own this. This is mine. Well, you being a priest, what kind of impact that has on your, your, your the commitment from your other the relatives? I know you said that they all, but but what kind of impact by you being a priest have on their commitment? Yeah, so I'm actually the the first great grandchild on both sides of my family, mm-hmm. and so all of everyone in my generation is younger than me. So I'm the oldest. And that always put the kind of onus on me. I, they would always tell me that I had to be a good example. And I think that definitely informed my decision. I don't think that was, I think my decision was because God called me. Mm-hmm. But I definitely think that I, I knew that I had to represent, I, I had to show to the rest of my, my cousins and my siblings the best way of living, you know, and the, sort of be a role model. And I've certainly failed in many instances, but, but I think living out my vocation was one way of doing that, of choosing the path that God had designed for me. But then also my family has told me, they have said that this has really impacted their lives. In fact, one of the most personal and profound instances of that was during my time at CJC, we have a year where we can't see our families where we can't even contact them, so it's very it's very restricted, and it's we kind of call it our own spiritual boot camp. Mm-hmm. So for that year, it was very difficult for all of us, but you know, definitely for my immediate family. Mm-hmm. But at the end of that year, my dad told me. He said, "You know, son, I think we're we're closer to you now than we ever could have been had you gone to college or done anything," no, and that yeah. just meant so much to yeah. me because it's it told me that that what happened was real. It was it was spiritually impactful and and I definitely know my grandparents like they go to daily mass very often and I know it has has to do with my decision. It's sure. not you know God has encountered them in their lives. Yeah. But um, all right, so people who want more of you and there's a lot of them of our listeners out here listening. Uh, uh, tell us about the, the Thomas Aquinas Institute and how they can get involved with, with your ministry. Yeah, so so we are. Um, uh, Father Champagne asked me to be the director of the Aquinas Institute. The Aquinas Institute's been around th- since 2006, but we're working on some really, really cool opportunities. Um, 
one, we the the bishop has asked us to take over the the permanent diaconate formation, so we're excited about that. And in conjunction with that, we're actually able to offer a, a master's degree for uh, young men and women, or 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 older men and women who are interested in getting a, a master's degree in theology. So that's been that's a really awesome opportunity. And then we're also offering, we're, we're working in conjunction with the diocese, with the Office of Catechetics, Chad Judis and, and his office, with in bringing, uh, enhancing catechesis in the diocese. Because my, uh, my philosophy, and I don't think it's, I think this would have been Jesus' philosophy, so, um, is, that, is that we're not fully evangelized unless we're seeking catechesis. In other words, we haven't really encountered Christ unless we're constantly desiring more and we want to learn more and more about him. And so we've noticed that that's, there's, a, there's a gap there that we have to provide that catechesis mm-hmm. in, in, our, in, our, in our culture. And our kind of claim to fame is exactly what your claim to fame is for this, this uh, radio show is that is Cajun Catholicism. Yeah. You know, we are the only a higher level education for the Catholic teaching in Acadiana. Love it. And so that's what's so unique to us. And then uh, lastly, I wanted to mention something that's really, really exciting is we're working on a collaboration with UL um, in order that our courses will count uh, towards a minor for UL. Mm-hmm. Now, how exactly we can market that, you know, that's that's in the process, but... Uh, that we're we're working on that articulation agreement, so that's really exciting as well. So that way you can be a raging Cajun Catholic. That's right. In the true sense. That's right. Uh, just a couple of minutes left on the show. Um, give you a little toughy question that I picked up during the week, but uh, uh, tell us, Father, when 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 God looks at you, what does He see? Oh well, I I know He sees His Son. Um, and uh, hopefully, hopefully, his his divine son, his his son uh, Christ in me. Um, but I think he also sees in me um, someone who 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 has many uh, faults and and failings, but nevertheless is is striving to to please him and to be his servant. And it's my hope that one day he'll t- tell me, "Well done, good and faithful servant." But Right now, I'm just in the process of working that out. <laughs> and, I like that answer. As a priest, you said Christ. And as a, a, a disciple, I said that that's how I would want to see me as one of the apostles. So yeah. uh, I think with the level that you and I are on, uh, 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 dependent on our answer. Mm. And I like that. It was very similar to mine. Oh, praise God. What do you think, Tom? Well, I think this is, I could go on for another hour with Father here. It's just been uh, just awesome, uh, and I appreciate you being here today with us. Yes, absolutely. And uh, thank you, and thank you for share, your family sharing sharing them with, with us. And I know a lot of prayers, right, uh, from your family came to fruition with you being a priest. Oh, well, I appreciate that. Thank <laughs> we you ran so across paths at uh, the Adoration Chapel a few times, and I saw you kind of go in and go out, and we're like, hey, grab that guy before he leaves. You know? <laughs> but uh, he's very devout and a wonderful man, and I'm, I'm, I'm just uh, proud to know him and, uh, and to support him. And, uh, and so if they want to get involved with the Aquinas Institute, how do they do that? Well, visit AquinasLafayette.org, check it out, see the opportunities that are there on our website, and um, 
and or you know you can get in touch with me uh i'm, I'm not gonna give all my information but uh, <laughs> but i'm Keep pretty down, pretty huh? easy to get a hold yeah. of so. calvin i think you master's degree is what i'm thinking master's in theology yeah. oh i need to get that yeah i think that would be <laughs> i fantastic. need to make it official yeah that's right you got it you just not official yet well, thank you all. You've been listening to Cajun Catholics with Father John Joseph Bork. Um, it's just been, again, a real blessing. He's with the Community of Jesus Crucified in St. Martinville. Check it out. Him and Father Champagne, they've got it going on. And uh, just been a blessing to us. And uh, we always uh, we always challenge you to engage the Cajun Catholic in you. Until next time, God bless. God bless.